This is Inside Purple and Gold. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani alongside Tom Schreier. It's Tuesday morning, a couple of days after the championship games. Uh, The Super Bowl is set. Uh, We'll get into the playoffs in a little bit. Uh, But the Vikings, because they're no longer in the playoffs, Tom, the main kind of talking point or discussion surrounding the team right now who's going to be the next defensive coordinator. So, so far they've interviewed Ryan Nielsen and and he's no longer uh, an option because he's been hired by the Atlanta Falcons as their defensive coordinator. Um, They've interviewed Sean Desai, assistant coach with the Seattle Seahawks. They've interviewed Mike Pettin, who obviously was the associate head coach to Kevin O'Connell this year. So a guy in the building. And most recently they have interviewed Brian Flores. So I'm curious what you think, Tom, because like you see these things kind of come together either extremely fast or they take a long time. I I look Mm -hmm. at what Kellen Moore basically parting ways with Dallas and then five hours later being the offensive coordinator of the Los Angeles Chargers. So these things either happen extremely fast or they're really drawn out. And I think that the Vikings defensive coordinator search is being drawn out largely because of Brian Flores. I think if they wanted Mm -hmm. Sean Desai, if that was their guy, they'd just hire him. I think they're waiting for Brian Flores right now because he is in contention to be the Arizona Cardinals next head coach. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the only head coaching interview he's done so far to this point. So I'm sure he's kind of waiting on that. And and, and I think once that domino falls, um, if he is, the next head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. I think you'll see the Vikings pivot in a different direction. If he's not kind of feels like he's the guy. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. I think first of all, in the case of like Kellen Moore, I saw that across the ticker. I do think that the Cowboys almost operate differently because of how much media attention they get. They're functionally right. A national team. Um, yes. First take, right. makes a whole big deal about him or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think that's an insane firing by the Cowboys. Like I go as far as to say, like I actually thought at some point more would take over for McCarthy. I mean, this is obviously they're just showing a lot of faith in Mike McCarthy. Uh, I think more was someone who, when the Vikings were looking for a coach, I know a lot of our writers wanted him to be in the mix, given his offensive expertise. I also think he's bringing something out of there that like, I know they're talented. I know they spend a lot of money on the offense, but like with Dak specifically and, 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 there has been a little bit of a lack of weapons recently. He has gotten something out of the offense. So I think a guy like that who probably should be in the mix for a head coaching job at some point, I realize he looks like he's like 18, but I think he's like 30 something. Um, you know, I think, I think like if, uh, if you're the chargers and if you're Staley looking to hold down that job, I know he's probably yeah. safe. He's like money locked in basically, but like, um, like they're too cheap to fire him. But like, go get that guy. What I mean, that's just such a, it's, it's actually not unlike honestly the Staley thing where if he had come loose, like O'Connell should have placed a call immediately. Right. And been like, we're not interviewing. Like, yeah. So I think, uh, I think that's just such a unique circumstance. And I think that was a savvy move by the chargers, which is a very funny thing, even coming out of my mouth. Right. And if you're Herbert, you're like, oh, this is the greatest thing that ever has ever happened. Right. Yeah. And I think that guy can really help him out. So I think that's unique. And I think it's probably the reverse with Flores. I'm surprised. I suppose like you want the head coaching job, but if you're someone who came from bad ownership, like why would you take the Arizona job? I suppose, again, it's totally. a head coaching gig it, it, as a resume maybe he thinks you know he could get something out of Kyler Murray whatever but I'm like 
how is he going to get along with that quarterback? How is he going to get along with that ownership? We know how they treated Patrick Pearson. And again, they may have been right in that, you know, I think of like Peterson kind of being like Rhodes, right? Where Rhodes had a second act, but like he wasn't the same player in Indianapolis as he was with Minnesota. And I think that's probably what Arizona recognized and Arizona just handled it as poorly as possible. But again, bad reflection on ownership. Um, and if I'm the Vikings, I'm, I'm holding out, I think, for Flores. I, want, I at least want the interview. Um, I do think there's some positive in someone who's coached before and has seen the offense and defense. I think there's some uh, – sometimes if you're a coach, you want someone with opposite traits, right? So you think of O'Connell as this, like, San Diego laid-back positive dude. Go get someone like Flores, especially on the defensive side of the ball, who has an opposite personality. Hold these guys accountable, kind of be on their ass. Like, I think if you're bringing in young players too – um, assuming they don't over, you know, a coach doesn't overwhelm the players. I think enacting dip, discipline early, especially on the defensive ball uh, side of the ball, is important. Um, having said that, I think I assume Desai would be the the other option, right? We know mm-hmm. Nielsen's out, and I, Mike Patton, and again, I'm probably like tarnished a little bit from editing a, a Packers vertical where all these guys just hated Mike Patton, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but but, and I think I don't think the defense was that good under him, but I just I also think like if that. Here's the thing. I think if they thought Petten was their guy, they could have made that move after the Detroit game, right? The game in Detroit yes. late in the season. And so I just, I, you know, I think it's smart to interview everyone. I think what O'Connell does well is like kind of this like thorough, you know, I think he's really thorough in what he does. We talk about him being laid back, but as a coach, as a manager, I think he's really thorough. And it's smart to interview that guy, especially if you're going to keep him on staff in some capacity. But I just, I don't, I think Petten would have happened already. Um, and I think, you know, I, I like the idea of of Flores because of what he offers. And having said that, I think if they end up with Desai, I think this is actually to be more of like, why didn't this happen earlier? Like, why didn't they make that hire initially? But regardless, sometimes it takes a second time to make it work. For sure. Yeah, it just feels it has that sense, right? Like Flores feels like the the number one option here, and mm-hmm. Desai, for lack of a better term, feels like the backup option. Mm-hmm. And 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 that's okay. Like I, I think it makes sense with where they're each at in their career like brian flores obviously his star rose really quickly he was the head coach of the dolphins we all know how that ended mm-hmm. um, shockingly ended almost like kind of going off of your point about how kellen moore's firing was shocking yeah brian brian flores is firing in miami after coaching yep. that franchise to back-to-back winning seasons almost against the will of the owner which obviously the class action lawsuit touches on yeah um, the fact that he's not, wasn't the head coach of the Dolphins anymore after leading them to back-to-back winning seasons, all he's done in the NFL is prove that that he can he can win. Um, so I think that's obviously the guy that that you're going to target if you're Kevin O'Connell, the guy with a defensive background that has that expertise, that experience. Um, and then if you end up with Sean Desai, a 39-year-old rising star in the league, who learned within the Chicago Bears system and took over once Vic Fangio left, uh, kind of does the play, knows and, and understands the three, four scheme that you want to run. Um, both are good options. Um, and I think it's good on the Vikings for not rushing this. There's no reason to rush it. Um, a lot mm-hmm. of these defensive coordinator jobs have been filled already. I think Carolina is actually the only one still looking for a defensive coordinator actively. Yeah. A lot of things can change. Obviously, the 49ers are going to be looking for a defensive coordinator when D'Amico Ryan's yeah. retired. But when you look at what the Vikings have in front of them, the people they've interviewed, um, kind of the competition across the league to hire a defensive coordinator, why not wait? Why not be patient? Um, 
And and if you're Brian Flores, like, of course you're going to wait out the, the head coaching job. Like I, I understand you're right about ownership. You're right about like, if you just left Miami, which was a, a dumpster fire of, of ownership. Yeah. 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 The like, why, would, why would you then go to a worse ownership yeah. group? But th- there is something about being a head coach. Um, and I, I think, anyone in his position if you're interviewing for both a head coaching job and a defensive coordinator job you're going to at least see the head coaching role and process through um and then if you end up with the defensive coordinator job after that um i think it's only a matter of time before he is a head coach again in, yeah. in the nfl maybe it's not this cycle but i think if he ends up with the vikings it's only a matter of time before he, he is in one of the next cycles well I, and actually i wanted to touch on that because there is an interesting dynamic here where at some point you want stability. And I think at some point you're a little out of control, right? Because like we, we think about the Zimmer side where he's just psyching through offensive coordinators, but yes. you also can be like the McVay type. And we know that McVay encouraged O'Connell said, I think you could be a head coach. Let me kind of set you up for success. But if you're that type of coach, you actually have this, this tendency where people poach your guys. Right. And I, you know, an interesting dynamic here. And I, again, I think it's worth interviewing Flores is that, Desai might be around longer, right? Part of me feels like you're, you're, I, again, maybe he kills it and, and is in the interview cycle, but I just don't think he's quite there yet. Um, where Flores, like, there is some positive. If he comes in here and then a better organization, let's say down the road, uh, goes and grabs him, you go, okay, Mc, O'Connell's reversing the cycle. It's gone from had to yeah. fire a guy who I think kind of mentored him and, and this older guy on the staff after one year and, and, and just a catastrophic defense to like, there is some positive. If, if the next guy you have gets picked up as a head coach, having said that it's not like O'Connell was the guy who kind of pushed him into the coaching ranks. He was already there, right. Head coaching ranks. Right. Um, it, it's more, it's a product of, of his resume. Um, having said that, like, maybe that's, maybe it's just like, this is a get right year for the defense. And then Flores would get hired. Um, and, even if Flores ends up in Arizona, I think you can look at it as a situation of, of like, he, he's got to take the head coaching gig, even if it's not a perfect situation. And like, maybe they get a more long-term guy if they end up with their second option. So I think people kind of like worry about like, you know, it, the ranking and it, it matters in some ways, but really it just matters. You get a competent guy. And I think either way you're looking at two right there, they have to make the decision, which one's best and which one kind of fits the continuity of the organization. Kind of a good segue because you look at, we talked about O'Connell and obviously Quasi and ownership to a degree is is going to be involved in this process of hiring the next defensive coordinator, but it's going to come down to O'Connell at the end of the day. Um, it kind of feels like his hire to make. Um, he made the wrong one with Ed Donatel last year. We'll see if he can make the right one with whoever he chooses this year. Regardless, he had a great year. Um, and, and we're a little late on this because we're recording kind of this week as opposed to last week when when this happened but the associated press they announced their award finalists last week coach of the year i'll read it all five and you will notice that one name is missing <laughs> the finalists for coach of the year brian dable new york giants sean mcdermott buffalo bills doug peterson jacksonville jaguars kyle shanahan san francisco 49ers and nick sirianni philadelphia eagles he's probably going to win the award Kevin O'Connell snubbed. How do you feel about that? He's not in the top five. Um, hard to argue with the, some of these names, but I, I yeah, he felt like one of those guys that could push any of these five out. 
Yeah, because, you know, I'm looking over him. Like, Dayball was kind of my guy in the regular season, but I think you're right. Like, Sirianni, the fact that um, they were – the Eagles were by far, in my mind, the best uh, NFC team. Like, to the extent – we almost took them for granted late in the season. Mm -hmm. And I still don't know – like, now we have to compare it this way because the AFC is different. We look at the quarterbacks in the AFC playoff picture. It just was a stronger conference. And when I was looking at the NFC teams, I'm like – the Eagles would have been fine in that mix, but also I think we would have been like, well, their quarterback's not quite what like Justin Herbert is or what Burrow is or what Mahomes is. And like, um, so I don't know. I think Sirianni's done a great job. It's a, it's a weird situation being in a pressure filled market with a really talented team with expectations and a quarterback you got to get playing at the level Hertz ended up playing in. Right. But that was the question mm -hmm. mark. I think going back to week two and the Vikings played them, that was kind of the, the story around the Eagles. So I mean, that dude killed it. Like Shanahan blows my mind. We'll get to like, there are limitations. Like at some point he's going to need a reliable quarterback, but somehow he got a team this far, granted in a watered down NFC, but got a team this far with freaking Brock Purdy and Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. So, yeah. so, you know, yep. you can't argue with that one. Doug Peterson, I think is an interesting one. Like you would think a guy would have a lot of acclaim winning a Super Bowl with Nick Foles, but this is what happens when you're in Philadelphia. You know what I mean? Like, like mm -hmm. this pressure packed uh, East coast market in some ways, like it almost seems like, you know, he like a fluke or something. And I actually think that was a great coaching job. I think we learned like, that's a great pairing with Lawrence. Lawrence is not like, there, we weren't all wrong about him. I think we were all correct with Urban Meyer that maybe he shouldn't have an NFL <laughs> job and that dude might not be the coolest guy. And man, he's making a lot of money not to to coach that team. But um, I, you know, I understand that one. I talked about Dayball. I guess the only one I could argue with is McDermott. And I think he, I'm maybe discounting him because of like past success, right? We have yeah. uh, expectations for Buffalo, for uh, Allen. Um, that's one where I, I guess, and, and again, maybe it's like homerism or something, but like, I could see O'Connell sneaking in there just because you look at narratives and kind of trajectory, like buff. It's hard to maintain expectations, especially in a place like that, which is a different than Philadelphia, but still a market where they really expect a lot out of the bills. Um, having said that, like, I don't know how many people remember we, we were going through predictions, like 13 wins seemed like the most absurd thing I've ever said. And I say yeah. a lot of absurd things, but like that, uh, the fact that he wrung this much out of kind of what the Vikings had, um, I understand there is some, uh, like it's unlikely the Vikings would ever or any team would replicate 11 wins straight um, until obviously the playoffs and the one score games. But he it's this is not like this didn't come out of the blue. Like he was he was working on situational stuff, right? He got something more out of Kirk Cousins than we thought was there. Um, he did maximize Jefferson to the extent like people were disappointed he didn't break Calvin Johnson's record, right? Um, you know, I just I I thought O'Connell did well. I don't think he would have won. I'm a little surprised he's not in the top five. There's no shame, I guess, in some ways, if it's McDormand who took a spot or well, I don't know where he'd actually end up if you like ranked it out 10, you know, out to 10 or whatever, but um, I just, I do think this discounts it a little bit. And I think it's a little bit, what have you done for me lately? Lost the playoff mm -hmm. games to the giants. That's pretty bad. Probably shouldn't have lost that team. Um, and I think it's a little bit of like the defense fall apart and he made that higher and you know, whatever. I mean, you know, it's just like no one really fully trusted that team or really should anyone have, um, throughout the season. But I also think part of me thinks like this probably doesn't efface O'Connell and like if yeah. he's I think he's a good coach but like if he's really this good put yourself in the running next year right go do something even crazier which is like follow up on a 13 win schedule or season with um a team that has roster crunch and there's gonna be turnover and uncertain defense and a harder schedule I actually think that's you know again he has another opportunity next year so I don't think this was like his one shot to be in that mix yeah and and when you go through the names 
like you did, Tom, like it is hard to find a name to take out of that top five. So while I, I personally think Kevin O'Connell was snubbed in a way of being a finalist. Cause like 13 wins has a first year coach, 11 and 0 in one score games seems like a, a resume good enough to be in the top five of a coach of the year board. You know, I, I'm not taking Sirianni off there. I'm not taking Shanahan off there. I'm not taking Dable off there. And if you want to argue Peterson and McDermott, I'm, I'd have a, a pretty hard time arguing. Um, I think if Kevin O'Connell was in there and Doug Peterson was left off, people in Jacksonville would be feeling the same way that, that Doug Peterson was snubbed. So it's just how the cookie crumbles. Um, I think that's a good point you make. Um, Kevin O'Connell... He does a good job seeing like the bigger picture. I don't think this really ma- matters to him. Mm-hmm. He was also not going to win coach of the year too. So it's not like this guy who everyone in market thought was going to win coach of the year. All of a sudden isn't even a finalist. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he has an- another chance to prove himself next year. He's laid a really good foundation, probably punched above his weight class a bit this year or, or got the Vikings to punch above their weight class a bit this year. So, you know, his his coaching chops will be tested moving forward here. Um, luckily for him, um, while there is a cap crunch and, and, and the roster will look a lot different, he will have Justin Jefferson. It's only a matter of time before that guy gets whatever money he mm-hmm. wants from, mm-hmm. from Kwesi. And, and, and the cap going up, um, Tom Pellicero from NFL Network reported this yesterday, it's jumping like $25 million. That'll, that'll help next year. That'll help kind of them – make some money work with, with Justin Jefferson. It's, it's not going to take away the cap problems because the Vikings are still right up against it. Um, but having Justin Jefferson on your team um, will make your job as a coach a heck of a lot easier. He was actually named a finalist for the MVP last week um, by that same yeah. associated press finalist list that left Kevin O'Connell off coach of the year. Just kind of speaks to how good Justin Jefferson is. Um, again, he's not going to win MVP. Um, but he's the only non-quarterback in the finalist list. Yeah, and I think part of we've seen, you know, we talk about who he is, and I think he is a good person, but the non-diva nature, I don't know how how to perfectly say that, like his contentness, let's say, is a result of O'Connell. We, t- You know, it, like that report came out that like Zimmer, perhaps unsurprisingly, just never had him in his office. It's absurd given that's his star player, but he's also on the offense, I guess. Um, and I think, you know, part of, part of this kind of, I remember at one point kind of asking him like, Hey, you're this far from Calvin Johnson when it was still in reach and him just being like, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I want to do that, but also it'd be nice if we won a few of these games down the stretch. Um, I think a lot of that comes from O'Connell that he has, like he wants to throw the ball. So he runs passing plays. Should he do it on like third and one in that playoff game? No, that was ridiculous. But like under, under other circumstances, it's a fun way to kind of exploit the arm he has, I guess. And like um, he's, he's played him out of the backfield and in the slot and out wide and stuff. And so like, that is, um, this is indirectly O'Connell, I think has helped Justin Jefferson launch into that. Obviously it's his skill set. The other thing is we should say, and I don't know how they quantify that or if they quantify this in the NFL, but he drives winning for the, for the Minnesota Vikings. It is not like, you know, cousins kind of sets a floor or operates the offense just fine. But like, he is the driver. Like you don't win the Buffalo game for sure. There's other games, you know, that, that like he gets a critical third down that everyone kind of forgets or whatever. And like, there is something I think about just not 
not only how spectacular he is as a player, you know, think of the Buffalo catch or just various things he did throughout the year that almost seems superhuman, but like the fact that he'll take a hit over the middle and just bounce up and he does his first down thing. And you're like, you know, I think that does kind of demotivate the defense a little bit, pumping up his guys. Um, you know, I think, I don't know, to me, like MVP just is what it is. It's like, it's the best quarterback with some exceptions, right? I guess is maybe how you, you say that rule. I think this is just an achievement by itself that, that at least the league is recognizing like how much Justin Jefferson means to the Vikings and the league is better with him. Right. I mean, we say that with Burrow and the weapons that he has or like Mahomes and, and Hill when, when he was there like this, this is obviously, this is a player who like not just mean something to Vikings fans, but to people all throughout the league. So I, I just look at this as an achievement. I know he's not going to win. Yeah. I, I'm glad at least he was nominated. Yeah, for sure. I mean, simply being in, in the MVP finalist list for a receiver is essentially winning the MVP because you're never going to win it. Like Adrian Peterson winning the award as a running back. Bonkers. Yeah. Bonkers. It took just an unbelievable season and probably if we go back like some down years for, for quarterback play that year, yeah. it's just a different league. Now the quarterback's always going to win. The fact that Justin Jefferson is here in this list after being mentioned in that kind of breath throughout, you know, the latter portion of the season is proof that, okay, maybe we're starting to recognize that it's not just a quarterback's award. It, it, I've always compared it to like the Heisman ceremony, right? Yeah. I'm a yeah. Hawaii guy. When yeah. Colt Brennan, RIP, when they went undefeated, he got to go to the Heisman ceremony in New York. And for Hawaii, that was like winning. That was like him winning the Heisman. He wasn't going to win the Heisman, but Colt Brennan got to damn be at the ceremony. And, and, and this is Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson got to be at the, the MVP ceremony. He wasn't going to ever win, but there he was. Um, it's a little respect to the name. Um, regardless, though, that guy's going to, wreak havoc for around the league for a decade to come. And, and, and the Vikings are obviously very, very lucky to have it. All right, let's talk a little bit playoffs now. Um, kind of shifting out of Vikings mode into more national NFL things that really matter. The playoffs are still rolling. We are two days removed from championship weekend. Chiefs, Bengals, incredible game. Patrick Mahomes is going back to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. A lot of talk about the refs. Maybe we can talk about that in a little bit here. Yeah. Like it kind of sucks that like anytime like a big game happens and like one team or one group of people are cheering for, for one result and that result doesn't happen. We auto we automatically go to like blaming the refs and that the NFL is rigged. Like I, mm-hmm. I can see some frustration if, if you are a Cincinnati Bengals fan at, at how certain plays were called down the stretch. But I think if we really go back through it and, and you know, go over it with a fine tooth comb, like the refs weren't really that much in the way. Um, Joe Burrow had the ball twice in the fourth quarter, punted or threw an interception and punted the ball away to Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes obviously yeah. scrambles Joseph Asai unsportsmanlike conduct penalty on the sideline. Um, that's tough when, when you see a kid crying like that um, yeah. after having the game of his life. And we can circle back and talk about all this. All that is to say the Chiefs are going to the back to the Super Bowl. Harrison Bucker nails a 45-yard field goal. Essentially, as time expires, Patrick Mahomes on one leg. 
Um, and, and it was bothering him. Some people were saying he was yeah. milking it. it. It was clearly bothering him. He was not um, milking it. <laughs> have a, a had, 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 a, had another. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm saying, Tom. Uh, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. You, you just, you just go on, on Twitter, and he, like obviously the conspiracies, and but no, yeah. that, that thing was bothering him, and he had a hell of a performance that day. Um, Chiefs are going back. Um, the AFC game was everything we wanted and more. The NFC game was not. It was barely a football game. The Philadelphia Eagles are going to the Super Bowl. It will be Chiefs versus Eagles in a week and a half. Or, yeah. That, that, that yeah, yeah. You know, like 10 days um but man that, that that game it feels like we got cheated out of, out of out of an nfc championship game that could have been really really good brock purdy tears his ucl on on, on the first drive of the game hassan reddick yeah. comes in smokes his elbow fumble um eagles recover they end up going in to score um and oh yeah by the way brock purdy doesn't play again josh johnson comes in immediately gets a concussion um, the 49ers are then left to play the rest of the game, essentially without a quarterback. They played Brock Purdy yeah. for a little bit. Um, all he could do is hand the ball off and throw screens. They tried to play Christian McCaffrey at quarterback one play. He threw the ball into, I have no idea, open space, no, no guy around yeah. him. Um, it's just a, just a shitty way to end what was an incredible season for the 49ers, an incredible coaching job for Kyle Shanahan. Um, but to your point earlier, Tom, like there's a threshold here. And then there's a limit that I think even coaching can not make up for the fact that injuries just take their toll and, and, and can ruin, ruin seasons. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm going to start with the NFC here because it's easier to unpack, I guess. Like, yeah, a, I guess there's an argument for a third quarterback, like, like that you just have to have it in the playoffs or something like that. Um, uh, yeah. Cause like, is it, but you know, I'm not convinced Brock Purdy wins that game. I actually think we saw the upper limits of like what that team could do. And I'm, I'm using data from like the, or like, you know, remembering the Dallas game too. Like he had trouble when he faced his really first, really good defense. Right. And that's not taken away from like, he was, I think seven and oh, seven and one, I guess with this one. Um, Mm -hmm. But like, you know, maybe fortunate in some ways, I guess you have to be in order to be like Mr. Irrelevant and thrown into, in the fire and win like that. Um, and we know that the scheme plays a big part, um, but I just hurts is a better quarterback. Those are probably the two most talented teams in the NFC. And like Shanahan can only do so much with that. I, you know, the Josh Johnson thing was just funny in that I was like, who is that guy again? You know what I mean? He's like 36 at this mm-hmm. point. And he had on it like the funniest, it's just the stupidest thing ever, but like people find LinkedIn and like he had like the Broncos as his team or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. You know, p- part of me, I think the bigger thing with that is if he's on LinkedIn, he's probably looking for like a media job or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I don't like, I don't think like Justin Jefferson has a LinkedIn. I, I could be wrong, but, uh, but you know, I think that like, uh, yeah, I mean, you kind of knew what was going to happen once once he's in there. And I, I just think this is a reminder that, like, there is just a limitation to what a coach can do and what you can do with a talented team. And it's one of the frustrations with the NFL that you can be a really bad organization, luck into essentially getting a, a top pick and, and a, a good quarterback. And then, like, we just forget, like, for example, the Bengals, who, again, a lot of weapons. I love Joe Burrow fun for the or fun for the fan base but they have like six scouts or something you know what i mean you're just like and like this cheap owner in this i was at that stadium last year and it's like it is decrepit so like you know i just you know we the quarterback kind of solves everything usually or whatever the the great ones like a burrow 
And this is mm-hmm. the unfortunate other side. And this is why, I mean, in my mind, and this was, I, you know, I was kind of writing in reaction to the playoffs, but through the Vikings lens, this is why Cousins get paid what he did. Like to be mm-hmm. a quarterback, to operate at his level. And again, I see him more as like kind of a floor and someone who like um, at least can operate the offense, get the ball to Justin Jefferson and someone who can communicate for lack of a better word with O'Connell. Like he understands what O'Connell wants him to see at the line. He understands the concepts of the offense. He also has a really good understanding of how much he understands the offense. I know that's a little confusing, yeah. but like he is not overzealous in terms of like his understanding of the play playbook. He talked a lot about it time on task and we saw throughout the season how he progressed as a quarterback, but he is paid that much, not because he's elite or whatever. Like, I, I think people overthink this. He he has paid that much because he has the leverage to negotiate it because he is the quarterback because Kyle Shanahan in a heartbeat. And this is going back to a quote people are probably familiar with from like March 21 Shanahan in a way that borderline, and I'm not saying he did something wrong here, but borderline, like most coaches don't talk like this because you can get fine talking about another team's player was basically like, yeah, we went out, we tried, we were trying to get him in 18. I worked with him in Washington and loved him when he was, you know, when they drafted cousins in 12. Um, he's talked mm-hmm. about how he likes that style of quarterback, the pocket. And, you know, again, probably wasn't throwing Garoppolo on the bus directly, but like was kind of saying like Garoppolo has similar traits, but takes weirder risks, right? Cousins, if anything, right. We think of the check down to Hawkinson and like what he was under Zimmer or whatever, but like um, cousins is very deliberate in what he does. And that's why like post game, he's so direct in, in what he sees as his faults and his merits. Right. Um, but uh, this is why he gets paid that. And it's, and it's like, I'm not saying that people should be, if you're not a cousins person and you want something better, like that's a perfectly fine idea. Right. As long as it's, it, as long as you're kind of thinking rationally, again, I think, I think the assumption that you just burn it down and get the third overall pick and you get your quarterback, you can ask like the jets about that, or you know, you can yeah. ask a lot of bad organizations about that and what that does to your culture and the unlikelihood that you create a, get a great quarterback, even high in the draft. Right. But like, I think this is why he, you know, it's not just the Niners, but all it takes is the Niners. That's literally right. It's a negotiation essentially between two teams. We know the jets would probably take him in a heartbeat. We, you know, there's a handful of these teams. So it just illustrated to me if, if the Niners win, like they did literally without a quarterback at one point and with Josh Johnson, if, if that's how they did that, um, or really even with Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, right. Um, we'd say, well, why wouldn't the Vikings just, replicate the Niners like you're getting a new defensive coordinator anyway just just run their defense find personnel that they found um this would take time obviously but um and you know use the weapons right and the Vikings don't quite have the weapons that the Niners do but you have like a dynamic running back with Cook and um and and obviously Jefferson and like Hawkinson and stuff like it just doesn't work that's why they don't do it right and I think that's like Mm -hmm. that to me like because I was trying to find a clear example of like explaining why cousins is, is making what he does and stuff. And again, it's just not, I don't think organizations, they do care about the caliber of the quarterback, but I don't think they're like, well, he's elite. So we pay him this. I think it's literally like, this is what it costs to have him. And it makes more sense to have Kirk cousins than a rotating cast again, like Randy Moss had when he was here. So I think that's what they're trying to avoid. I think that's why they, they pay him what he do, what they do, why they may extend him and why I keep saying he's establishing the floor. What they need to do is go find someone who does a little bit more than that. For sure. And, and, and you look at this Niners team, right. And, Everyone knows, like, like you, you referenced the quote, Tom, like how Kyle Shanahan feels about Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. I will say the salary would play a huge role in this. So take what I'm about to say with a grain of salt. 
but it's proof that if Kirk Cousins was the quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers this year, I think they mm-hmm. would win the Super Bowl because they have a good enough roster. Yep. And he is a quarterback that, like you said, is always available, literally always available. Which I think he doesn't even go on the he doesn't even go on the injury report. I think he's been on the injury report like twice. Um, and the thing that knocked him out of the game was just not getting vaccinated and, and getting COVID. Yeah. So like he's always available. He's better than Brock Purdy. He just is like, he's a better quarterback. Yes. And like, he can make the throws. He'll do things that frustrate you. Uh, But if Kirk Cousins was the quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers, like you you can see why Kyle Shanahan wanted him. He wants a guy like that. And he wants a guy that can understand his system, learn it, master it. And a guy that can always be on the field. Um, That goes into, it's not as simple as that with, with NFL and team building because Kirk Cousins' salary takes up a large chunk of that. Um, maybe you're not allowed to that, – maybe that inhibits your ability to pay certain players on defense or, or bring in certain weapons. Um, but, yeah, it, it's pretty clear why Kyle Shanahan wanted a guy like that. It's also pretty clear, like to your earlier point, how much coaching matters and then how much coaching can overcome and, and then at a certain point, like how much coaching can't overcome, right? Because – when we saw what Brock Purdy did this year, like no doubt about it, impressive. Um, that was also the, the team as a whole carrying a guy and, and Kyle Shanahan putting a guy in, in optimal situations to perform. I think that I wish we would have got to see, because I think I'm more with you. I, I don't know if Brock Purdy wins that game healthy, um, but mm-hmm. I would have liked to see it through. Yes. Yes. But it was pretty clear right away. And, and this is no knock to Josh Johnson. He he's been on like 15 teams. He's he's really like grinded his way to just yeah. be like a part of a conversation when we when we think about the NFL for this era. Um, he's a journeyman. But when he was in the game, it was clear right away like this is not going to work. Yeah. Um, so it was not as easy as like because I, I saw a lot of things right. Like um, is Brock Purdy that good, or could it could any quarterback just get stuck into this this system and win? And and to a degree, yes. But there is a threshold there. Um, I think we saw it in real time. Josh Johnson was that threshold. Um, and, and I feel bad kind of like coming down on this guy because it, it wasn't his fault. He's literally the four string quarterback this year. Um, got signed in like early December and, and ended up playing in a hostile environment in the NFC championship game. It was yeah. too much, um, but it showed like coaching can overcome, but it can't overcome everything. Um, it, just an unfortunate way for the season to end though. Um, but yeah, when you look at what the Vikings have in Kirk Cousins, they have a guy that's always going to be available, and and maybe he maybe he checks down to T.J. Hawkinson on mm. on fourth and eight. Uh, but he's he's always in the game. He's always there. His contract is always going to be an albatross to a degree. Um, but you can argue with the way the cap's moving up and the way that quarterbacks are being paid right now, like. He is just kind of making a fair market salary for what quarterbacks make in this day and age. Um, it's yeah. Kirk Cousins, so it's always going to be polarizing. But that guy improved this year under Kevin O'Connell. It, like you said, it would not shock me if they extended him this year, if the Vikings did that. And a lot of this just comes down to availability, being on the field, ability, being able to execute the offense, and being able to make throws here and there. Um, he obviously has a good arm. He's very accurate. 
one thing that popped up from from the championship weekend that I think was a direct like correlation to or easy to compare to Kirk Cousins fourth and eight throws short of the sticks to TJ Hawkinson Vikings lose Joe Burrow fourth and six throws into double coverage Jamar Chase is not open he's not open at all just throws it up and is like okay it's fourth and six we need to we need something we're going for it I can't throw short I can't take a sack I'm just gonna throw it to my best player he did exactly what Kirk Cousins explained he didn't want to do to Justin Jefferson in that fourth and eight situation. And I get it. It's a different route. Um, Jamar Chase is a seam route up the middle. Justin Jefferson, that's a hard throw. It's you know to the boundary on the outside um, to the opposite hash. Um, but watching Joe Burrow un- unload that, Jamar Chase make that play on fourth and six, and then juxtaposing that with Cousins checking down to TJ Hawkinson on fourth and eight. Um that definitely said something to me. Um, it's just like, yeah, th- there are guys that are just have that kind of effort mentality. Um, Kirk, Kirk Cousins, for all he's done to improve, I think he needs to develop more of an effort mentality to a degree. Um, yeah, if the Vikings do extend it. I would say we've seen like signs of that, right? And I think it's a little yeah. bit of we talked about how Justin Jefferson will, um, uh, the attitude he has, and again, most of that comes from probably him and who he is but also i think it's mm-hmm. an enablement by the coach like we also saw that from o'connell right and i think that was him and west phillips going back to training camp being like dude you can't like there's not always a perfect pass it's the nfl and you sometimes yep. you gotta and i you know we did see that at times i mean that was that was the fourth and 19 in buffalo you know i'm trying i'm trying to think that you know that's the most explicit example but there yes. were other ones throughout the year um i but i mean i agree and i actually think of that like you know because obviously jefferson played with burrow and and someone asked him to compare which i can't think of like two people more different than like joe burrow and kurt cousins where they are in their career like the fact how they dress like just their mentality and stuff but like i think uh you know he jefferson was maybe a little too honest and he's like he just has a little more swagger or whatever um i love that throw i don't you know i do think people should most people have should look at kurt kurt warner's um breakdown of uh the the final play of the viking season i mean I would not have faulted Cousins and maybe even encouraged right a, a dangerous throw in that situation because a turnover on downs and interceptions the same thing um, at that point at that juncture. There's also the thing of like man, he also probably could have just thrown it up to Osborne and Osborne probably would have popped loose while the ball was in the air. Again, that's like that's like a very advanced throw, but you'd expect that out of a quarterback with Cousins' experience and what he's being paid. Um, and I think. There is just something about Joe Burrow. I mean, I think it, I think it says something about Cousins, and there's something to learn. It also just says something about about Burrow in that, like, it's not only like he trusts his weapons and he has the moxie. I think if you ask people with Cincinnati, and I think this is why there's so many complaints over the officiating, over the call on the sideline that that cost them. Um, mm-hmm. Also, like, let's how about Zach Taylor? Like, how he managed the clock? I mean, it was, it was terrible, right? But like. They're upset because Cincinnati's in a weird spot too. They're not going to be reta- able to retain all the weapons they have. It's a relatively cheap ownership group. It's also they're going to hit cap issues. Like this was a moment, and that's going back to what you're saying. Like this is what these guys have to capture. If you're Kirk Cousins specifically, he's I think only going to be the quarterback he is for the next couple of years. Meaning like the floor playing at the level he is, all that stuff because of his age. Um, and if you're the Vikings, as much as it's a new regime you have to be full throttle at all times. And, and yeah, you're right. I mean, you just have to develop that mentality because 
you could look at it and say, well, it's just Burrow's makeup. I think if you ask him in an honest moment, he'd go also like, this is just an opportunity. I don't know if we're going to have back. The AFC is really tough. There's a lot of great quarterbacks. No one knows the future of the Bengals. Um, and uh, and so, again, they it, it could be back in the NFC Championship again. They could lose in the first round because, you know, a team with a great quarterback builds a better team around them. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just think it's these guys do have to think like you may not have this again right and kind of yeah. and, and it just it's unfortunate that this season ended like that for cousins because it end if it ends the opposite way you weirdly see it as growth right you're like he threw this dangerous pass maybe it's a clear pick right but you're like man this is showing us that cousins is showing this sense of urgency that he understands the weapons around him that like mm-hmm. you know he's not he's not trying to do this all kind of on a whiteboard and um I agree with you. It's what makes Joe Burrow special is that he just has this kind of innate sense of a big moment and how to deliver in it. Yeah. You're right. Like, can you imagine the think pieces we could have written? Um, <laughs> uh, if Kirk Cousins throws on fourth and eight into double coverage, it gets batted down. You'd probably get praised for that. You know, it'd be like, this was the final stand of Kirk Cousins and he, this is the final chapter of this season and this is how it ended was with him showing growth. Instead, it ended the opposite way and fair or not. Um, it's not fair. Like to, I'll be clear. Um, everything, all the the strides he took to that point were then negated because he threw short of the sticks on fourth down. Um, we'll see what happens coming up here. Um, once the Super Bowl is over, you know, we'll obviously talk more about like the off season as a whole, like, there are a lot of wrinkles to this offseason that matter from, from a Vikings perspective. And I think defensive coordinator will obviously be the first kind of wrinkle to be ironed out. But when you think about it, like Kirk cousins and whether they choose to extend him um, might be the most consequential thing to come out of this. Offseason. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm curious to follow that. Um, yeah. I'm curious to kind of continue to follow these playoffs. Um, Super Bowl is coming up. Me and Tom will come back whether it's later this week or early next um, kind of break down the Super Bowl. But if I assume the Vikings are going to make a defensive coordinator higher too within the next week and we probably, do, probably should do that. Yeah. They do need one at some point. So <laughs> um, they basically didn't have one towards the end of the year, but they do need one at some point. Um, whenever that happens, we will hop back on here. Um, yeah. But we appreciate you guys listening as always. If you like what you're hearing, give us a follow inside purple and gold. Um, give us a rating, give us a review. Um, but we'll be back here to chat whenever the moment kind of strikes itself. And until then, um, enjoy the year off season. If you're in Minnesota, stay warm. Um, we're in the Arctic cold kind of situation here um, where I don't think we're seeing above zero for the next few days. So maybe this podcast can give you some warmth. Yes. <laughs> <it can't>. yes. <laughs> but we the will check back in. <laughs> the sweet sound of, of, of Tom's voice and, and his metaphors. can warm you up. <laughs> so. We'll check back in here um, within the next week or so. Um, For Tom Schreier, I'm Dane Mizutani. This is Inside Purple and Gold signing off. Twenty Four Hundred Sports is an Odyssey company. 